This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Total U.S. wheat sales are nearly 600,000 tons and at the high end of market expectations. Rounding off prices at the Chicago Board of Trade, soybean futures are lower on Friday morning. The November soybean contract is down three cents at 10.59 per bushel. December soy oil is virtually unchanged at 33.19 U.S. cents per pound. December soy meal is down three dollars ninety cents at 3.68.20 per hundredweight. Corn futures are slightly higher on Friday morning, with the December contract up two cents at 4.06 per bushel. Chicago oats are steady to lower, with the December contract down a half cent at 2.93 per bushel. Wheat futures are mixed on Friday morning. Chicago December is up three cents at 6.21. Kansas City December is down two cents at 5.55, and Minneapolis December is unchanged at 5.59. That's a look at the ice futures and the Chicago markets for Friday morning, October 16th, for Markets Farm in Winnipeg. I'm Glenn Halleck. This year's Value Bonanza sales event at Butler Farm Equipment Limited in Fort St. John gives you more ways to save. Choose 0% financing, cash back, and more on select New Holland tractors, hay and forage products, and materials handling equipment. These offers end December 31st, so make the trip to Butler Farm Equipment Limited in Fort St. John today. You get more choices and more savings when you buy during Value Bonanza. For commercial use only, customer participation subject to credit qualification and CNH Industrial Capital Canada Limited approval. Standard terms, conditions, and other restrictions apply. A down payment may be required. The opinions expressed during this show do not represent those of this station. If you've missed any of this show, you can follow the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig, on Moose FM. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Moose Talks. We're going to talk election again today. We've invited all the candidates from Peace River North to appear on our program. We did not hear from the NDP candidate, Danielle Monroe, or the BC NDP party. All our calls and emails went unanswered. So today we'll be talking with Dan Davies, the BC Liberal candidate, right after we speak with Trevor Bolin from the Conservative Party of BC, who joins us now. Good morning, Trevor. Welcome to Moose Talks. Good morning, Dub. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Now, what I wanted to do today was talk a bit about some of the things uh, that were said and talked about at the all-candidates meeting and then a kind of few other additional questions. So I wanted to start with the carbon tax because this is one way that you and Dan really disagree, it seems. Um, uh, you mentioned, for example, that you think instead of a carbon tax, there needs to be a GHD reduction reduction program that works. So what does that look like? Have you put any, into, any thought into what you would advocate for uh, instead of the carbon tax to, to replace it so that we still see a reduction or, uh, as, as you put it, see a reduction in GHGs? That's a fantastic question, Dub. And, and you know, I can, I can send you the links because when this used to be uh, my show and it was Trev Talks, not Moose Talks, 
Um, I interviewed a company out of uh, Alberta that was actually had just gone into a partnership agreement with one of the municipalities in Alberta. And, and the science that they have behind this project has been used in other countries for decades. And, and they've had a really hard time making any sort of agreements in British Columbia. And this was the first one that was done in Alberta. But what this product does is it, it takes municipalities' garbage, the recycling, the refuse that, that we're, you know, we're, we're filling in landfills. And the science behind it is, is landfills create up to 30% of GHG's emission um, in the province of British Columbia. So when you look at, at the amount of municipalities and regional districts that that affects, the amount of pristine land that, that is taken up from a landfill, um, including right here in Fort St. John, where you know the landfill is on the, the banks of the Peace River and, and absolutely beautiful land. So this company designed this system and, and the, you know they said themselves that, that they're not even the forerunner in this, that this is being done everywhere, but it immediately reduces 27% of GHGs in municipalities. So getting British Columbia on board and ensuring that we can do that widespread will instantly do more than the carbon tax has ever done since the BC Liberals put it in 12 years ago. Now, speaking of that carbon tax, if you, uh, as you say, suspend it immediately and perhaps get rid of it eventually, if you uh, happen to form government or had some say in it, um, the federal government, as it stands now, it's the Liberal Party, would then impose a carbon tax on us. So how would you deal with that? And do you think that's better? Because it's the reality of what would happen at the moment. Do you think that's still better than the made in BC carbon tax that we have at the moment? It, well, no, I mean, I don't think either of them are, are better. And we've seen it happen in Alberta. When Alberta removed theirs, they're now in court, um, you know, trying to ensure that the the, feds, the feds can't institute that or, or can, does not have the authority to do that. In our, in our recovery plan was to suspend the carbon tax so that we could look at a pre-COVID, COVID, post-COVID savings for people and ensure that, that more money was left in their pockets. If, if the suspension was done in order to help people save money, then we wouldn't need to worry about the feds instituting one because it was a suspension at that time. So that's why, you know, we have our made in BC plan that we've always been in favor of scrapping it um, for years, years before I was ever the leader. Um, but then we also need to look at, at what we could do right now. And, and we put that out, we put that out to government as far as, you know, the ability for people to save instant money. I mean, we're talking just about nine cents uh, a liter at the pump. We're talking about cheaper groceries, cheaper transportation, cheaper home heating, especially in times like now. Um, you know, people were mentioning last night at the forum in, in Fort Nelson that, you know, their carbon tax and their taxes on their gas bill cost more than their actual consumption charge or more than the gas that they're using to heat their homes. It's getting cold. Winter is coming, Dub. All right. So you'd rather us fight the federal government on that than uh, have their carbon tax and have no carbon tax kind of at all, I guess, hey? Uh, agreed. I, I do not. And I still don't believe to this day that the federal government has the authority or, or should have ever been given the authority to be able to institute that on provinces. So they left it up to the provinces. BC's had it in far longer than anybody else. Our, our recommendation, my recommendation was to suspend it to save people money during these times, especially during COVID. And then, yeah, I mean, they, they want to see a plan. You know what? It doesn't have to be a carbon tax plan. Let's go to them with proven data that we can reduce GHGs by upwards of 27%, anywhere from 27 to 30% was the science. So tell me, why would they ever fight a plan that does something that they've never been able to do? All right, Trevor, we'll have to leave that one there for now. I want to switch to Site C. Now, uh, at least at our All Candidates Forum here in Fort St. John, you and Dan both expressed support for the continuation of the project. Um, but 
there seems to be news coming out every other day about uh, the financial viability of it. It keeps going up in costs. There's some problems, perhaps, with uh, the pouring of concrete and and sort of the foundation of it perhaps being a safety issue uh i have to ask even though you're in favor of this project at what point do you step back and say maybe we need to look at this further maybe even though it has cost us so much to build already it might still be a better idea to stop the project altogether or do you do you foresee yourself ever being um swayed by that argument that that or you just want to finish it no matter what Dub, that's and that's a fair question and a valid question. I think that's on a lot of people's minds right now. The issue with Site C, as it stands right now, is is poor management. It is poorly managed. It is over budget. It is over time. And yeah, there's been some concerns that have been brought to the forefront, especially with the stability of of one of the cracks that are in the existing hill right now. In order to go forward, I think my recommendation has been and will be that they engage in an independent review in order to satisfy those concerns. The recommendations that come from that review give us a better idea. For us right now to say that, you know, the the numbers don't match as far as what the electricity is worth, et cetera, the dam's still not going to be done for another four years um, before we're actually seeing power from that. So, you know, I made reference at the forum to a project that was built a few years ago in Medicine Hat. It was a solar project. And and that project was was a $13 million project that they now took a, a hoe to and, and collapsed the entire thing because it didn't work. So when, you know, some of these recommendations come looking at alternate ideas or alternate power, that's not working either. So, you know, we're, we're this far into a project. Let's safely finish it. Let's get it back on track, back onto a budget that actually makes sense, that people can believe and and have a hundred years of clean power and so you'd be in favor of continuing the project in spite of a review that you'd want you don't want it halted while the review is happening i don't think there's any need to halt it while the review is happening any of the geotechnical work or, or engineering that needs to be done as far as the review and recommendation can come can can happen concurrently Okay. All right. I want to switch gears again. Uh, talk a bit about the overdose crisis. Um, you've talked about this, and again, uh, gen- in general, you and Dan seem to sort of see eye to eye on this. Uh, but I want to talk about safe injection sites as part of a plan to um, ameliorate the overdose crisis. Are you in favor of spending money on safe injection sites as part of the overall plan to get help for people and and to uh, hopefully slow down? Uh, the number of people dying uh, due to overdoses. Dub, I'm not. I'm not a fan of of safe injection sites, and, and the reason. I, I mean, we've had this discussion. We've we've had this discussion even on the council side of things, where uh, the province had a ministerial order back from 2016 that would allow them to put any sort of a site, whether it's safe injection or harm reduction, in without community consultation. And, and the city of Fort St. John and, and the council was very proactive to ensure that that couldn't happen without community consultation. We need treatment facilities. We need ways to get people help. When my dad was an addict um, up until and before he died, um, the, the facilities that I could not get him into, I feel would have been an enormous help. And, and you know, at, at some point in time when he was even begging me to find him a facility, because there's the stages that you go through uh, when you have an addiction. And, and when he finally got to the stage where he knew he needed help, there was no help for me to give him because that's something that's never been done in British Columbia. It's done privately and, and provincially in Alberta, and there is facilities in Alberta. Um, but for our residents to be able to get to those, 
is not possible and it doesn't make it very feasible. So, you know what, I think we need to start looking at what the actual root issue is before we can ever fix the problem. And the root issue is not safe injection sites. It is treatment, it is education, it is mental health. Um, in a recent study, 33% of, of people who had recovered from addictions um, had come forward and said that it was caused from a mental health issue. So when the funds aren't going towards mental health and the funds aren't going towards treatment facilities and, and education and, and ways that people who want to change their lives and want to get better, then that's a moot point. That's where we need to start. All right. Switching gears again, Trevor, uh, you made a comment at the All Candidates Forum here in Fort St. John. Uh, you want to end the state of emergency. You think it should have ended already around COVID-19 here in B.C. Uh, I, do you think this government is taking COVID too seriously or do you think that the state of emergency is just a needless part of their plan to recover and your plan to uh, recover and move forward in the era of COVID? I don't think, I mean, the, the state of recovery as far as needless for COVID, no. The the recovery or the emergency act that we're in right now, it's 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 being used to, to use measures that the government can control. And, and I think that's what's wrong. We've had phenomenal recommendations from Dr. Henry. I mean, she's she's world-class act. People all over, all over Canada, other provinces and, and throughout North America have raved about her recommendations. But at the end of the day, people also need to remember that they've made the change. They made the difference. They listened to her recommendations in order to keep their families safe. COVID's real, it's here. Um, and, and, you know, all of us at some point in time know somebody who's either been affected from from it or unfortunately have passed away from it, which we've seen in this region as well. But the emergency act as it stands for the authority for the province to do whatever they like is not recommended or, or needed at this point in time. We need to focus on a recovery. We need to focus on our economy. We need to focus on building jobs and keeping people safe uh, um, under the direction of, of Dr. Henry. All right. And one final question for you, Trevor. Uh, the B.C. Can, or pardon me, the Conservative Party of B.C. is running 19 candidates in this election uh, by my count. So in the absolute best case scenario, and it's exceptionally unlikely, I have to say, your party could hold the balance of power in a minority government. So what are you hoping to accomplish by running um, on a platform in a different party? That in a lot of ways is similar and, and, and sort of espousing views that's very similar to uh, Mr. Davies in the B.C. Liberal Party. Why is this so important to you to not work with the Liberals and sort of blaze your own trail in this way? Dub, that's a great question. And we do. We have 19 quality local candidates um, that are shopping in the communities that they're going to represent. They live there, their neighbors, their families. Um, the reason I got involved with the Conservative Party on, on the leadership side was, you know, I wanted to see a party that would listen to people and it would ensure that it was a grassroots uh, made in BC plan. So, you know, we spent last year and, and into this year since I've been the leader uh, communicating with British Columbians all over all over the province and ensuring that we put together a platform that resonated with them. And, and you know, I, I don't think it, it's whether their platforms are similar or our platforms are similar, because, I mean, even the NDP have, have similar feelings or similar thoughts towards some of the things that we do. And, and I think it's about representation. So, no, we don't have, you know, 87 candidates or 86 candidates or even 74 like the Greens. We have 19 candidates that are dedicated to going forward and, and being able to be a champion and a voice for their their regions and their ridings, their communities and the people that they represent. And I'm literally on my way tomorrow to, to go down and see most of those. So, you know, and it's, it's not about 
doing my own thing or, or blazing my own trail. It was about the way that I felt I could best represent uh, my riding and, and my province. All right, Trevor, we'll have to leave it there. But I thank you for taking some time to chat with us today. Have a great day. As that's Trevor Bolin, the candidate for the Conservative Party of BC in Peace River North riding. We'll be right back to talk to the BC Liberal candidate Dan Davies right after this on Moose Talks. Complete Safety Services, with 10 years serving the Peace area, they strive to offer the best safety service in the oil and gas industry. Complete Safety Services specializes in safety with their experienced field safety advisors and medics. Complete Safety Services can prepare companies for their core, develop written safety programs, and manage ISN and comply works. Complete Safety Services also offers traffic control, hotshot, and pilot car services on 100th Street. Look them up online at completesafety.ca. As a 100% Indigenous-owned company, they are proud to support the oil and gas industry. Our jobs are being threatened. BC's economy is now in last place due to NDP policies. We need to change that. I'm Dan Davies, and I'm asking you re-elect me on October 24th. The BC Liberals have a plan to restore confidence and rebuild BC with candidates running in all 87 ridings. We need to attract investors, get pipelines built, restart forestry, support our farmers, and take care of people. And we have a plan. Giving you choice of auto insurance, removing the PST, improving health care, supporting small business, just to mention a few. On October 24th, I'm asking that you re-elect me, Dan Davies. Authorized by David Goldsmith, financial agent for the BC Liberal Party, one These last few months have been all about kicking back at home. And during this time, you may have noticed your floors aren't what they used to be. So head to Bronze Flooring and check out their fall specials throughout the store on laminate, hardwood, ceramic, carpet, vinyl, and more. Bronze Flooring is back to normal hours Monday through Saturday, and they're ready to help you with all your fall flooring plans. Bronze Flooring, in the big bronze building and online at bronzeflooring.com. There's always something going on in the Energetic City, and the staff from the City of Fort St. John Recreation Department have planned a variety of exciting programs and events. Here's what's coming up. Have a collection of leaves, grass clippings, or plant trimmings just sitting in your yard? Bring it to the Kids Arena Fieldhouse parking lot on October 17th from 10 to 3, and the NEAT crew will take care of it. For more information on this event, view the Recreation and Leisure Guide at fortstjohn.ca or follow the City of Fort St. John Recreation on Facebook. Feel good for life with Homesteader Health Foods, serving Fort St. John for over 20 years. To show you just how much your business means to them, they're having a customer appreciation event October 20th to 22nd. Enjoy samples, giveaways, and 20% off almost everything store-wide. The customer appreciation event is three days long to allow for spacing restrictions so you can shop comfortably and safely. Homesteader Health Foods since 1989 on the corner of 97th Avenue and 100th Street on Facebook and at Homesteader Watch this show live on Facebook or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Back on Moose Talks, I'm Dub Craig. We're now joined by Dan Davies, the BC Liberal Party candidate here in Peace River North. Dan, thank you for coming on Moose Talks. Everyone. Excellent. Okay. Uh, so again, I'm going to run through some things that uh, you guys discussed at the All Candidates Forum and uh, talk a little bit more about them. Again, on the carbon tax, uh, you fundamentally disagree with Trevor Boland on this. Your parties disagree. Uh, but uh, I will say the B.C. Liberals originally implemented the uh, carbon tax in tw- uh, 2008, I believe. So why is it a good idea uh, in general, in principle anyway? And how would you and the party approach the use of it differently than the NDP. I think you talked a bit about this at the forum. 
Yeah, I did. And, and I think it's important, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it is not that we are 100% on board with it. We, you know, we read the science and, and looked at a lot of the reports recently. Um, it's the reality of it. <clears throat> we have three sitting premiers right now, Jason Penney, Scott Moe, and Doug Ford, or, uh, yeah, Doug Ford, that have all tried to repeal this. Uh, you know, one of them is in court right now, the other two have lost. Um, you know, what we need to do is we need to somehow, you know, one things change, uh, whether we have a federal government change or otherwise, we need to be fighting the carbon tax <clears throat> and coming up with new ideas. And we recognize in 12 years, some things have changed. Uh, science has changed in anything. And I'm a big believer, our party's a big believer in supporting science and, and facts. So what we need to do in the, in, in the meantime is, first of all, the NDP raised it to 50 bucks. We need to bring it back to, uh, back to the old rate. Um, Revenue neutral, it used to be. It used to be used to give back grants back to people, certainly up here that live in colder climates, use more natural gas uh, through rebates, through retrofit. Uh, you know, industry could apply for, you know, if they were innovating um, and, and such. So it went back uh, to people as, as a net zero tax. Now it's a tax grab. So we need to change that. So I think that's the biggest, you know, the biggest difference. It's not that we agree with the carbon tax. I mean, you know, th this was done 12 years ago by, you know, Three premiers ago now, um, the, the, like I say, things have changed since then, and we need to just be looking at how to how to best do it, how to best move forward. And like I say, in the meantime, we need to fit within that uh, framework and and you know see what that looks like and how the outcome of that goes. All right, Dan. Well, I mean, if you're going to, uh, I assume immediately kind of reduce the carbon tax to 25, as uh, you alluded then. Uh, does that mean in the next mandate, if the Liberal Party, the BC Liberal Party gets one, uh, that would be something you would try to accomplish within kind of that uh, four years is to uh, look at a carbon tax, find out if there's something better you can be doing? <clears throat> Well, again, I think a lot of it depends on the federal government. Mm -hmm. um, you know, BC has already gone uh, on numerous occasions. We know this recently uh, at no end, uh, challenging the Supreme Court uh, on, on Trans Mountain, on a few other things. Um, you know, the, I, I, I would fear to guess how much money the NDP uh, have spent of, of our money on fighting these battles. So I, I think the biggest thing we need to do right now is, is to see what happens federally. Um, once that happens, I mean, if there is a reduction or if there is, you know, a, a court uh, ruling that, that says it is un unconstitutional, then we have to have those discussions, what that looks like, what are options. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Canada, Canada produces 1.6, um, you know, percent of the car, uh, of uh, CO2 emissions. Uh, BC is, is, you know, under a half a percent. You know, if we all stopped using our cars it would make no difference. So we, we need to be looking at doing things differently. And, and uh, I think we can all accept that. All right. Uh, I want to switch gears to sightseeing. I want to ask you a very similar question. Again, you and Trevor uh, fundamentally agree on the, being in favor of the project and have been since the start and moving forward. But at what point uh, do you say we need to look at this? We need to consider all the voices telling us that there might be problems with the costs going up uh, and under, under mismanagement, as you both attribute uh, to the NDP, uh, with some of the safety, with how it's uh, kind of fitting in in the foundation of it. How do you look at that? Do, do you halt the project while you investigate with a with kind of another no. um, uh, uh, report, as, as Mr. Boland suggested? Yeah, no, absolutely, we don't halt it. I mean, you know, this this project is 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 moving along. Um, you know, it's it's already into the 
um, multi-billions, uh, you know, the, the to stop it and, and put everything back to the way it was would not be in the benefit of, of taxpayers of British Columbia. Absolutely. I have faith in the engineers. I have been uh, on regular updates. Uh, there are some issues. I think the biggest thing that we need to start, um, you know, seeing a little more of is transparency. We need to make sure that, you know, I mean, this is owned by British Columbians, this project. We need to make sure that there's transparency, oversight. Uh, government needs to take more account, uh, I think, more involvement. BC Hydro, you know, uh, they can't just say, well, that's, you know, one of the prime contractors issues. I mean, everybody looks at that project as it's a BC Hydro project. So there needs to be more accountability, I think, to the people and more transparency. And that we completely agree with. And uh, we certainly want to see. Um, again, I think it goes back to I, I do trust. I mean, there's a lot of engineers from multiple firms down there, uh, you know, all managing this. Uh, this isn't the first dam that's been built, uh, you know, like this. So um, I do have faith in the project. We just need to um, make sure that that transparency is there. And I think another important piece is, and the ministry, uh, uh, Michelle Mungle, the Minister of Energy and Mines at the time, uh, at the transition of government back in 2017, it was on time and on budget. So something has gone array in the last three and a half years. All right. I want to talk about the overdose crisis again quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, treatment facilities. Uh, you guys talked about this at the All Candidates Forum, but I wanted to ask you specifically about safe injection sites. Are you in favor of them? Is the BC Liberal Party in favor of them as a uh, part of the plan to uh, ameliorate the overdose crisis? So, you know, this this is a, a medical issue in, in many aspects. Uh, it's a mental health issue. <clears throat> you know, the, the safe injection sites uh, is only one step, of a multifaceted step. We need to make sure that we can, you know, help people out, uh, get them back contributing to uh, society, get them off their addictions. Uh, you know, safe injection sites, uh, again, in consultation with, with communities, I think that is uh, key. Um, you know, like this is a, uh, in many cases, a controversial issue, but it is, it, it is part of a step to get people uh, healed. And, but it is only one step of many. We need the wraparound supports. We need the, uh, the addictions beds. When someone asks for help, they cannot wait for a day or two or three. It needs to happen immediately. And I think that, um, you know, that is one of the most important things. W one of the bills that we introduced is called the Safe Care Act. And right now, a lot of people have, you know, if their, their child is, is, is in addictions, there's nothing the family can do. And, and we think that is wrong. So there, there's a whole bunch of pieces that we need to be looking at, making sure that uh, young people, uh, parents can intervene and, and get them the medical help they need immediately. Foundry clubs, I mean, Fort St. John was supposed to receive a foundry. Uh, we need to have more of those. You know, that, that is early intervention. Uh, that preventative piece. And I think that is you know, absolutely critical. And again, looking at the root causes, <clears throat> mental health and addictions is a big issue. Uh, prescription drugs, you know, we need to have some sort of monitoring, uh, you know, and, and, and tighter controls of prescription drugs. So, I mean, it, it is a big complex issue, um, you know, but it, it's not being done right right now. That's for sure. All right, Dan. Uh, let's talk about COVID-19 recovery again for a minute. Again, I thought it was very interesting that Trevor said he thinks um, uh, he wants to end the state of emergency immediately. Uh, I mean, what's your response to that? And how would the Liberal government, uh, BC Liberal government, my apologies, uh, handle that differently? Would you keep using the state of emergency as part of the plan to move forward? Or do you agree with uh, Mr. Boland that it, it's time to stop using that as a means? 
Well, we need to certainly be looking at it. And, and, you know, when is that time to end it? When do we look at a regional approach? And I think that's that's the important part. You know, up in Fort Nelson here a couple times in the last week, they've had one case of COVID-19 since this pandemic started. Um, so why are these sweeping rules that cover the entire province, um, regulation and otherwise, uh, impacting Fort Nelson, impacting Tara, Stewart, Fort St. John? Um, you know, we, we know that a lot of the issue happens in our in our major urban centres. So I think that that is where we need to start going is looking at a, a, a regional approach. And, and we've been calling for that for a while now. Uh, the, the one thing that does worry us, though, is, is you know, the, the NDP have stated, uh, you know, that we are very likely in a state of emergency, um, you know, until next year. That gives government sweeping powers. And that's what worries us. Uh, you know, uh, powers to spend without oversight. Uh, the legislature doesn't have to come back, you know, so there's no uh, uh, opposition to, to anything. So I, I think we need to start managing our economy and man, uh, managing British Columbia uh, much sooner than that. And we need to start looking at a regional approach. All right. And finally, Dan, um, I wanted to ask you this. What do you say to people who are thinking about voting for Trevor Bolin and the conser- the BC Conservative Party? I mean, the debates to me revealed that you and Trevor agree on most things most of the time. And from a policy standpoint that, uh, I mean, you're not too, too much different. Uh, so I guess what I want to know is why is a vote for you better than a vote for Trevor Bolin? Uh, especially since, again, both of you uh, have a long track record of working in this community uh, to make it better. I mean, you're both kind of standouts. So why should people vote for you and, and, and not think about voting for the Conservative Party? Well, I think the, uh, the, the biggest piece is next Saturday, I will either be in government or I will be in opposition. Uh, both have a, a variety of tools available to them, uh, a variety of tools that I use and have used uh, in opposition over the last three and a half years to, to move things forward here in the peace region. Um, you know, and, and I think that's the biggest thing, uh, you know, as you know, uh, uh, the, the BC Conservatives only got 22% of the seats covered with a candidate. So um, even if they win all of them, uh, they will still have third party status. It, uh, like I say, it, it, there's, there's no committees with that. There's no, um, you know, your question period, uh, you're given a question a month. Um, you know, it, it's hard to move anything forward. So I think that's uh, the number one thing. Uh, a minority, I know that, uh, you know, people talk about, well, a minority, you know, might not be a bad thing. Uh, Sonia Fersenau has come out saying that when she partnered, uh, the Green Party partnered with the uh, NDP, it was the biggest mistake they made. Uh, they, they got nothing over that three years. They got a couple private members' bills, which were more fluff than anything. But the biggest factor here, Dub, is it creates instability, you know, uncertainty. And right now, that is one of our biggest things that we have in this problem. We need to create certainty. We need to be able to attract those investment dollars into our province. And companies don't want to. We saw that right now. We, there's no reason the LP mill here should not be operating. And a lot of that is because there's uncertainty in our province. And a lot of that uncertainty in the last three and a half years has come because we are in a minority government situation, which is always unstable. You just don't know. And people don't want to invest their dollars into something like that. So uh, there, there is only, you know, in, in, in uh, certainly in my opinion, and it's obviously biased, there is only one choice in, in Peace River North, uh, and that's to elect, uh, you know, a BC Liberal candidate. And that is me to make sure that I can go forward and represent Peace River North with all the tools that are available to me. All right, Dan, we'll have to leave it there. But thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today. 
Pleasure, Doug. You guys have a great day. Absolutely. Dan Davies, the B.C. Liberal Party candidate for Peace River North. We'll be back to wrap things up on Moose Talks right after this. If you ever get tired of your kids asking if they can borrow the vehicle and leaving a little messy. Or your parents telling you the car has a curfew and needs gas and needs to be home right now. It might be time. For you to buy me a new car. <laughs> to learn how Fort City Chrysler can get you a great, safe vehicle for the right price and plan. Fort City Chrysler can do that. They can get you into the vehicle you need for the price that works with a plan that suits you. From cars to trucks, the Chrysler name is solid for getting you and your people where they need to go. Fort City Chrysler on the Alaska Highway. Or at fortcitychrysler.ca. Does this mean that I'm paying for it? Over the past two decades, Arctec Welding and Machining has evolved from welding and machining to Northern BC's go-to for custom steel and fabrication services, no matter the project, big or small. We offer structural steel fabrication with our 8-axis Vortman beamline, a computerized plasma torch, accommodating plates up to 8 by 24 feet. Our fleet of portable welding trucks come to you. Plus, we offer repairs, sandblasting, painting, and more. Check out our latest projects and start planning yours at arctech-welding.com. For 25 years, you have been told what party you need to vote for in order to keep another party out. Hi, my name is Trevor Boland. I'm the leader of the Conservative Party of British Columbia, and I'm here to tell you, you can and should vote for what representative you feel will listen to your needs, champion for this area, and work tirelessly to ensure that you are heard and that we are included. Peace River North, its communities and citizens are proud, strong, and resilient. I believe we can make change when we come together. I believe people should have a say in the government of today to shape the government of tomorrow. And I know that I can do that for this region on October 24th when you vote for me, Trevor Bolin. This message is approved by the Conservative Party of BC. Now, a Sports Boosters update. Sign up soon for the Taylor Curling Club Friday Night Mixed League. First night will be November 13th. To enter, call Suzanne Lawson at 250-262-8125. Send us your sports info, sports at moosefm.ca or by fax, 263-9749. Sports Boosters on Moose FM. Our community first. This is Moose Talks with Dub Craig on Moose FM. Our thanks again to Dan Davies, the B.C. Liberal Party candidate, and Trevor Boland, the Conservative Party of B.C. candidate for Peace River North, so take, for taking some time to talk to us today. Again, we emailed, we called the B.C. NDP candidate, Danielle Monroe. We emailed, we called the B.C. NDP party in general. Never got a response to have uh, them on to talk to their candidates, so... We tried. Uh, anyway, voting is open now. If you want to do advanced voting, it's over at the North Peace Arena. It's happening every day until Wednesday from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. So you can do that if you so choose. And make sure if you got yourself a mail-in ballot and you haven't mailed it yet, you get it in the mail soon because ballots arriving after voting closes on October 24th won't be counted. And finally, of course, stay up to date on all your election news. We just got over a week left of it over at Energetic City. That does it for this episode of Moose Talks. The studio producer is Adam Rayburn. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Join us next Friday at 10 a.m. for another episode of Moose Talks, a weekly talk show about Fort St. John and the North Peace. You get a shopping spree. You get a shopping spree. And you get a shopping spree. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. Someone is going to win a shopping spree, but we've only got one to give away. The Save on Food Shopping Spree, presented by Armor Lubricants, is your chance to tear through Save on Foods in Fort St. John. One lucky person will get 100.1, yes, 
You heard that right. 100.1 seconds to grab anything you can from the shelves of Save on Foods. How do you win? Head right now to moosefm.ca slash contests and like the social media pages of our sponsors. Each task you complete, you'll get more entries into the contest. Then on top of that, listen every weekday morning at 810 for the word of the day and enter that on our website for even more entries. What are you waiting for? Enter right now at moosefm.ca slash contests. The Save on Food Shopping Spree, presented by Armor Lubricants, is sponsored by Butler Farm Equipment, Windsor Plywood, Bronze Flooring, FSJ Return It, TNT Communications, and Moose FM. This is Moose Country. Got a call from a friend about a friend. There's some news no one ever wants to hear. It hit me like a punch and took my breath. He was just getting into his best years. Yes, something like that'll shake you up, wake you up. So I stopped off at a Texaco, bought a Slim Jim and a Coke. Walked out by the water just to watch that river flow. Grabbed my guitar from the back seat, wrote a song just for me. And I sung it for the blue sky and a couple live oak trees. I thought of home, grabbed my phone from my pocket. And I called Mama. It rang a couple times and she picked up I can always hear her smile when I call I just called to tell you that I loved you I was missing you and dad and home, that's all I got to really thinking this morning About what's important I stopped off at a Texaco, bought a Slim Jim and a Coke. Walked out by the water just to watch that river flow. Grabbed my guitar from the back seat, wrote a song just for me. I sung it before the blue sky and a couple live oak trees. I thought of home, grabbed my phone from my pocket. And I called Mama. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.